Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. Send out thy light and thy truth, that they may lead us and bring us to thy holy hill and to thy dwelling. Well, that gave us a taste of what it might have been just a little bit on that first Pentecost. And um, <clears throat> no wonder St. Peter had to go out and tell people, we're not drunk, it's the Holy Spirit. Because um, something incredible happened um, on that first Pentecost that transformed the group of Christians that had assembled of one accord in one place. As they prayed and uh, as they uh, <clears throat> concentrated on on God's presence in their midst, they um, were transformed. And that possibility and that promise is with us this evening. It's a, a startling promise that God is not finished with us yet. God is not finished with us yet. And uh, <clears throat> if you were to think of the Christian faith as a landscape, just mountains and hills and valleys, there are obviously two great mountains that most people contemplate, what we call Christmas and what we call Easter, the incarnation and the resurrection, and, uh, of course, the atonement, that we are saved by the blood of Christ alone. On that landscape is the cross of Jesus. And uh, if you look at that landscape, you'll see another great hill, and that is Pentecost. We are Christians who believe that our God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we are forever uh, meditating on that. The Trinity, it's hugely important and central to what it is to be a mainline Christian. I want to say something about how privileged I am to be here today. I usually am sitting where you're sitting. The view is much nicer from where you are. Um, you are all beautiful and wonderful, but uh, there's a lot more activity here than there is there because it's unlikely that you're going to sort of jump up and dance around, but one never knows, and I'm ready for anything. But um, I think that uh, your experience tonight will be like my experience most evenings that I come here. Be very thankful of the glorious music that we have, which is such a great privilege, the music that lifts us up and... Uh, speaks to our hearts and minds. And I'm so thankful. Uh, Camel, don't get nervous. Uh, he's hiding someplace. But uh, I am thankful for you. God sent you here. And I'm thankful for that. And uh, <clears throat> I feel ministered in this service to by you. Thank you. And your colleagues, your other musicians, thank you. And uh, let me say this also. Um, that when Jake asked me to preach... I, I was quite happy to just remain silent where you are in the pews and just uh, enjoy the music and look at all these wonderful clergy we have. Uh, they're all wonderful. They're preachers and they're teachers and uh, the liturgy here, the worship services are so nice. I am totally sold on being here and sitting where you are sitting, but in God's providence and sense of humor, here I am in the pulpit. And uh, this is a wonderful pulpit to preach from, by the way. Uh, it is surrounded by other great preachers. There are little statues of preachers.
speakers, and um, and some of them are, have name recognition. One of them is St. Francis of Assisi, who we, whose hymn we just sang a moment ago. St. John Chrysostom, John Wesley, and others. Uh, and then in between the great preachers is a uh, something that the artist who did this pulpit did, and it's a nice thing. It's a humbling thing for any preacher. Uh, it, uh, it shows different aspects of the Christian faith in earthen vessels. It's a biblical idea. We have this truth in earthen vessels. You know who the earthen vessel is? Me. These clergy and others who speak from this uh, lovely pulpit. They are earthen vessels. And uh, yet, even out of an earthen vessel can come truth. And I want to share with you a truth that I've come to as I um, sit where you're sitting now, rejoicing in the wonderful presence of uh, everything that's around us. We were in a building, Cardinal Dolan, the Archbishop of New York, the Roman Catholic Archbishop, talks about St. Patrick's Cathedral, and he says, it lifts us up! And we're in a building where we're lifted up. This architecture is uh, Gothic style, and it lifts us up. And so, if you come in here dragging yourself and uh, feeling depressed, if you look around and feel the space around you, you should be lifted up, as the Cardinal says, just by the space, just by the building. Now, I want to tell you, this is a, a disclaimer and a little confession. Before I studied theology, I studied art. And uh, my study of art was very important to me. And uh, uh, I taught once at uh, art history, American art history at Marymount College in Tarrytown, New York. And then for many years, uh, Mayor Dinkins appointed me to be a, a commissioner of landmarks in New York City. And so I dealt with architecture a lot. So when I sit where you're sitting and I rejoice in the music and the ambience of this great space and prepare myself to be an active participant in the liturgy and the clergy are all, have you ever noticed they're all rushing around before the service, getting things in place? As I look at the dance, it's like drama. I see them all running from one space to another to put something in, I don't even know what it is, but it's very impressive. And um, as I am sitting there in the pew, I meditate, then I pray. And because I went to art school and because art is important to me and architecture, I think about those things. And uh, I think about the great saints of the church, um, uh, the people who reflected the light of Christ. I was um, privileged to travel in Egypt once, and um, I remember so well an experience I had. There in Egypt, uh, staying in a, a, a place uh, where you going across the Nile to the Valley of the Kings and... Uh, um, I was with a, a, another clergyman, a rabbi, and the two of us were traveling, the minister and the rabbi. Sounds like a joke. But uh, we uh, took a boat across and uh, met the guide. And there was a rather overstocked guide, big man, and he had a young guy next to him, was, which was the guy was laden down with packages. And I thought to myself, this must be our lunch. But... Um, he, um, he took us to various places, and we went to some of the tombs, and we would stop at the, uh, uh, at, at the entrance of the tomb, and you'd go down a ladder or, or some stairs, 
and the young man who had the packages did something. And eventually I realized he was not carrying my lunch. He was carrying mirrors. He had a whole pile of mirrors. And uh, he put one mirror at the top and he would go down, turn a corner, and he'd catch the light from the sun and he'd bounce it in another direction and he'd put another mirror out. Before you knew it, we were four stories down into the center of the earth, it seemed. And uh, it was bright, no electricity, just the light of the sun reflected from those mirrors. And uh, uh, we were impressed uh, at how much illumination could come from the reflection of the sun through those mirrors. And it taught me a lesson about the Christian life and about the spiritual life, the life of faith, that we can reflect the light of Christ in so many ways. A building can reflect it. Individuals can reflect it. And uh, there I was walking into a, a room, and this young man would catch the light zigzagging through the building, the, through the tomb, and uh, he would then illuminate this inner tomb, Egyptian tomb. And I thought to myself in that journey uh, that there was something to be learned from that. When I sit in this church and I meditate, I think of this great building, and I think of uh, the, uh, an aspect about this building that's very important to me. This is what architects call a cruciform church. Do you know what that means? It is built in the shape of a cross. And uh, architects would also say, and this is a difficult term, don't get nervous. They would say the footprint of this building is a cross. So that the outline of this building is a cross. The cross of Jesus Christ is the outline of this building. And sometimes when I'm sitting where you are, I think to myself, I am resting on the foundation of the cross of Jesus Christ and nothing else. This building, as beautiful as it is, as uplifting as it is, as complicated as it is, I uh, um, preached uh, about this building earlier uh, uh, today and uh, uh, talked about the wooden frame of the building. And someone came up to me at the end of the service and said, but do you realize uh, I had said that this church was built on a cow pasture and there was a time when someone dug the foundation of this building and literally dug a cross in the virgin soil of Manhattan Island uh, where there had never been uh, anything like this. And you could come uh, uh, after... 1845 and come past this old cow pasture and in the middle of it would be a big hole in the shape of a cross. They had inscribed the cross of Jesus Christ on the island of Manhattan. And uh, I, I talked that way. And uh, the lady said to me, don't you realize that some of these uh, uh, pillars are really tree trunks? I, I knew that. But she said, the two in the front were trees that grew in the field. I didn't even know that, and I'd been uh, around here for a long time, so you can learn things even at my age. Uh, she said, yes, those are trees that grew right in the pasture. So that um, this, uh, this old building was erected on the foundation uh, that was in the shape of a cross, and the footprint of this building is a cross. And so it's a cruciform church. And uh, I sit where you sit now and sometimes think to myself, that's the story of my life. I have based my life 
on the foundation of the cross of Jesus Christ. I, um, um, I like an old gospel song, All Else is Sifting Sand. I base my life on the cross of Jesus Christ and nothing else. And uh, this building is on the foundation of the cross. But you know, on this Pentecost Sunday, when we think about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the birthday of the church, um, it is a thrilling time, the birth of the church. And uh, in Sunday schools all over the United States, kids this uh, uh, morning were in their Sunday school classes, and they all had a little birthday cake, and they were singing a song. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear church. Happy birthday to you. It's not the birthday of Calvary Church. It's the birthday of the Christian community of which we are part. We are part of a great community uh, that stretches in all directions in this world. A billion people who believe that Jesus Christ died for our sins on a cross. And the cross is central to those community uh, who, people who are living. It's no wonder that the Christians in China are having trouble putting crosses on their buildings right now as we gather. Because the government says, we don't want that to get into, in, the, in the landscape. We don't want crosses on new buildings in our cities. But the Christians are trying hard to put up crosses on buildings. And uh, crosses have become the sign of people like us, communities like us. We're not a building. We're a community. And we're a community that comes together in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And on Pentecost, people like us got together, and they were one mind, which happens very rarely. They were of one mind, and uh, something happened. The Bible tells us it was like fire landed on the heads of everybody there, and it was like uh, wind blowing. Something was happening that was beyond comprehension, and it, it had a huge effect uh, people were just turned around in their place. They were galvanized, energized. It was an incredible moment in the life of faith. They, these people were different after Pentecost. The difference was they had energy. They had uh, vitality, creativity, and a new imagination. God had lifted them up in such a way they would never be the same again. Uh, they had uh, uh, been so transformed that they went to all parts of the world. The apostles found themselves in places they'd never heard of. St. Thomas, who touched the wounds of Jesus, found himself in India. Somebody uh, in this congregation was a professor at Columbia Law School, and he was asked to teach in, in India, and he came back and he said, you'll never guess what I saw. I went to this cathedral in India, and they said on the altar, they had the finger. I said, the finger? Yes, they had the finger of St. Thomas. The one that touched Jesus is right in that altar. I said, John, do you believe that? He said, well, I'm not sure, but it's important to think about it. These apostles went everywhere, even Peter. Imagine a fisherman like Peter eventually going to the great city of the capital of the Roman Empire, 
There he is in Rome. And uh, who could ever have imagined, how could he ever have imagined that years later, nobody would remember who the Caesars were, but they would remember Rome as the city of Peter, the fisherman. Peter who got up after Pentecost and had to say, they're okay, they're not drunk, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Now it's unlikely, I'm going to finish in a minute, it's unlikely that uh, somebody will ever say about us that we're drunk, that our services will get so wild that people outside will say, something's going on in there. That's unlikely. But let me just suggest to you, it's just possible. Not that you're going to do anything that weird, but that you're going to be so energized by the power of God's love and grace and truth in Jesus Christ that you will be different. And people will notice a difference. They'll notice a difference in here, the difference in our gatherings. And what will the difference be? It'll be a difference of vitality and energy. And I want to say that that should never be ruled out in your life, that God will empower you with energy and vision by his grace heaped upon grace. The, um, the, the importance of this birthday of the church is that God's generous love, which was revealed in the creation, in the life, death, and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ, is also revealed in the bestowal upon us of the Holy Spirit. We are all children of the Pentecost. Now, you may think to yourself, I'm no Pentecostal. <laughs> but let me tell you, in one sense, we all are. We're all children of Pentecost, recipients of the Holy Spirit. And uh, given the, the possibility that we may be transformed and energized in a new and dazzling way. So let me conclude uh, from the pulpit with that last part of my meditation when I was sitting where you were sitting, that uh, we are indeed supported by the cross of Jesus Christ as we gather in this building. And we are nurtured by it. And uh, we are not only uh, supported in the building, but in our community life as brothers and sisters in, in the love of Jesus Christ. That uh, centrality of the cross is the essential description of who we are. Everything else is unimportant. It is the cross of Jesus Christ that matters most in this place, and I want to commend it to you on this Pentecost Sunday. It is the most important thing in this place. In the cross of Christ I glory, towering o'er the wrecks of time. May the cross of Christ be glorified in your life. And may the power of the Holy Spirit heal you and energize you in grace and truth. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.